Hello and welcome to Not All Men Improv. I'm Georgina and with me are Victoria. Hello. Lizzie. Hello. And Lauren. Hello. And today we are celebrating a very special occasion. It is Not All Men Improv's first birthday. I wondered if anyone was going to start singing happy birthday, but I'm glad we, ha- we haven't because it never goes <laughs> It's well. copyrighted. <laughs> ah, true, true. On this day in 2020, we recorded our very first episode, which I believe was profiling me. <laughs> um, so, and it's, it's amazing that we have been going for a whole year. We've interviewed some really amazing people from the improv community and learned a whole lot about this podcasting malarkey and it's been a really great way to spend time when we haven't been able to do a physical improv in person so we thought we would all get together and discuss the things we've learned in the course of recording from the past year and also things that living through a global pandemic has taught us as well so first of all I think we're going to start with Lizzie what have you learned so let me go back to early 2020 I can't remember if we were in lockdown at that moment but we'd had a virtual espionage meeting scheduled and everyone had kind of been talking bouncing off each other with different ideas and I'd been kind of quite quiet and not really said very much because I was still quite new and didn't really know what to say or what to input and then I think somebody kind of directly asked me what my idea my ideas were or what my idea was and I kind of said in a very offhand way well maybe we could start a podcast with just the girls and just interview different people and maybe do that and it was a very much a kind of it had been something that I'd wanted to do for quite a long time just as a personal goal because I love listening to true crime podcasts but everybody seemed to think it was a really good idea and I think I was quite surprised by that and everyone was like yeah you should we should definitely do that and so I kind of like had to do something about it and like set it up and pursue it and that was a bit strange but it's I'd say it's been quite a good thing that we've done and quite a big success I know at least one person that listens regularly um (laughs) so that's nice but yeah it's it's been really great I think for all of us and um Mm. we've kind of kept espionage going a little bit over the the lockdown and I feel really proud of it um I'm really proud of all of us because it's been amazing but I think the takeaway from me for that is that my ideas are actually good ideas And it shouldn't take other people to tell me that they are good ideas for me to believe in them and believe in myself. So I think the biggest takeaway for me would be that when I pursue other creative projects and I have these like negative head tapes telling me that, you know, this is a dreadful idea. I do have this this evidence, this podcast to kind of say, well, actually, I do have good ideas and I can see things through creatively and I do make it all the way to the finished product. And the finished product is really good. people enjoy it so yeah I think that was a big big lesson for me yeah absolutely absolutely your podcast baby is now a (laughs) one-year-old so you should be very (laughs) very proud of yourself it's been so much fun for us all to do together and we've found so many people who have wanted to talk to us and Mm -hmm. so the appetite is there that you sensed and you created so thank you oh thank you it's been wonderful it's been lovely and all of your hard work with editing and it takes such an awfully, awfully long time and it always sounds amazing. So you've gained a whole lot of skills over this uh, for this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I put it on my most recent job application. So that's been useful. Not that it adds anything to working in <laughs> clinical trials, but, you know, it's it's something that's of interest. So 
yeah. yeah it shows yeah. you're a well-rounded individual yes in more ways than one <laughs> while those uh while all those fools were making sourdough we were making a podcast <laughs> we were making memories <laughs> i don't really think people who make sourdough fools fyi because we all know what i'm like with baking (laughs) (laughs) i just wanted to say that victoria would you like to go next and talk about your lessons learned yeah so surprise surprise online improv actually works quite well who would have thunk it it's amazing how quickly lots of different improvisers embraced online improv i think because improv is a bit like a drug and we're all a little bit addicted to it you know everybody needs their improv fix and so it, it's fantastic that people put up workshops so quickly, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, everyone can be just burying their head in the sand and going, oh, God, no. But actually, workshops started springing up all over the place. We had a couple of amazing workshops with David Escobedo and with Vanessa Anton. And we've had mm. some improv jams with Boss Birds. And it was so much fun. And it really opened my mind to how well improv can work in different formats and I know lots of people do different real life improv in different formats but I've never really thought about how you could do it online and I think it might be something that sticks around even after the pandemic so that's fun and and the other thing I suppose is just how hard podcasts are to edit (laughs) they take a very long time to edit I know I keep going back to editing but I, I tried to start my my improv podcast and and my my own personal one. It just took about sixteen hours per episode, and I don't I gave up. So Lizzie is a much better podcaster than I am. <laughs> well yeah. done. Oh, for all you people, uh, for all our lovely listeners, uh, listen to this and thinking that it's such a slick, well-oiled machine. It was a hot oh. mess before the editing got involved. So. <laughs> Lauren, what lessons learned would you like to share? You know, before joining this podcast, I knew that there was a wider sort of improv community outside our little group. I never really thought about it that much, as silly as that sounds. This is going to sound horrible, but I kind of just assumed I didn't really like people, you know, outside this very small (laughs) group of people who I've grown quite fond of. But actually, just this year, it's just been amazing to meet and talk to so many amazing new people who've all got that same sort of shared passion and just look at the same interests from so many different perspectives because it's just this one hobby that's quite niche and but there's so many ways to do it and just talking to people you know sometimes all around the world it just um it just goes to show that there are you know different ways to look at things and Mm -hmm. just it's just really good to meet new people and you know make new friends and have these new conversations that links back really nicely to victoria's takeaway that you know online improv taking things online is the tool that's allowed all these groups and all these different people to collaborate so it's a wonderful thing absolutely and another thing is just i guess one of the few positives to come out of this you know this horrible year is that as an improv community everyone sort of had to do things a bit differently you know that's definitely created some very significant problems in some areas but in other areas it's sort of widened access to people who maybe haven't been so included in the community before because of you know issues like access you know disability you know even timings and things but having it sort of on, online, it does 
increase our accessibility and I think that's you know one of the few positives that's come out of this year yeah absolutely and I think sort of linking on to that one of my lessons learned is I really want to try and kind of widen my consumption of improv and of just of comedy in general and I was kind of listening to some some of our episodes in the past year and thinking about the good kind of tips that I can glean from them and the episode that we did with the amazing Kitty Speed the stand-up comedian she talked about her approach to stand-up as being I think it was actually me who gave her the label academic she didn't use that word but doing a lot of dedicated research time and really kind of consuming that material and learning from other people which can be seen as a little bit not taboo but like not necessarily the approach that's recommended because there's very much a stress on being original being an individual but you need to balance that with knowing what's else is around you and and being inspired by other people I've done um fair bit of writing in the past and you're always told that you'll be a better writer if you read more so I really want to become a better improviser by watching more improv particularly from groups that are different to ours mm-hmm. who, have, who perform in different communities and, and different areas of the world and also read more improv books that kind of thing get a bit nerdy yeah do <laughs> do my research and just try and improve not just by doing with the same lovely uh, set of people which in hindsight it would have been great to have done that in the last year when I couldn't do actual improv and the fact that it's only just occurred to me now is maybe not the best <laughs> the most helpful timing of my life but um, yeah that was that approach I found really inspiring so that was one of my takeaways. I also found Kitty really inspiring but for a different reason so I think the one thing that really amazed me about Kitty was that she was really open about her experiences with vaginismus, which is something I've also experienced. And I've always wanted to try stand up and kind of use it as a platform to discuss my experiences with anxiety and low self-esteem, but also asexuality and my queer identity. But I kind of always approached it in a way that I thought that there would be certain things that would be off limits, not because I'm afraid to talk about them on stage, but because like, for example, how would you tell a story about having a panic attack at your first and only smear test in a way that's like engaging, but also maybe a little bit comical when it's actually like, it's a deeply upsetting story, not only because it might trigger the audience, but also because it probably would trigger me as well. But yeah, it's, it's my story and I feel like it's an important story to tell and I would like to have a space to tell it at some point. But then when Kitty described the way that she would sort of ease the audience into a space where she could talk about difficult or taboo topics and then have them engage with her in a positive way, I thought that was just so clever and so, yeah, inspiring. Um, And I just had a little bit of like a light bulb moment after that episode where I was like, there are no limitations to what you can discuss on stage. As long as you feel comfortable about the subject matter, you can frame the subject in any way that you like that makes the audience comfortable and so I felt after that episode in a weird way that Kitty kind of opened up a world of possibilities for me when I start my highly successful stand-up career. (laughs) (laughs) Big big shout out to Kitty there. (laughs) She was amazing she was incredible. That's so great Lizzie that sounds like your next your next big project please still have time for the podcast as well <laughs> don't forget <Yeah>. us <laughs> yeah <laughs> I don't know if I'm quite ready to I think I'd quite like to just 
ease into improv again or just just rehearsals for a little bit it's definitely going to be like maybe at some point but she made it a real possibility for me so that was amazing I'm just really I've been flicking through the different episodes that we've done we've just we've had such an incredibly diverse range of people we've had stand-up comedians we've had actors we've had improvisers more improvisers and actors but you know like everybody comes from you know different places we've spoken to people that live in different countries and there are a couple that haven't haven't yet been edited but will soon be released spoilers um, spoilers <laughs> spoken to the adam and eves we, we spoke to um bonnie knockers who is a, a burlesque performer and it was just incredible and for example, talking about burlesque, I've never watched any burlesque myself, apart from just like seeing a few clips here and there. And it was just so lovely to hear her talk about how she got into it and lots of her performance. It's, it's pretty much artwork. Like her costume is incredible and it's made out of sanitary towels. I mean, what? That's so impressive. Um, convenient. <laughs> very convenient in case of emergencies <laughs> um, and just about how you can entertain and educate and talk about sensitive issues but in a funny way that gets the audience along with you I just I found that that was really inspiring as well yeah it's so amazing to have this kind of new view of whatever art form burlesque stand up mm -hmm. as you both just said as being capable of doing so many things simultaneously without the audience necessarily even realizing I think if they realize too much that it's anything apart from making them laugh you can have a bit of a reaction but um mm -hmm. knowing performers like bonnie and kitty and the way that they have so seamlessly blended those things it really gives me something as a performer to aspire to to do that in improv as well mm -hmm. Exactly. I think everyone we've spoken to, with there are takeaways from everyone about how we can improve, even if it's, you know, how to engage with the audience or to tackle a heckler or improve your accents and just everything. It's, I, I've learned something from everyone and that's been fantastic. Yes, we could fill hours. This is true. We could fill hours probably with all our takeaways from, <laughs> from the guests. So absolutely loads of improv kind of tips and tricks and takeaways and epiphanies that we had there um, <laughs> uh, so now we're going to think a bit more widely about things that we've learned from living through a global pandemic Lauren would you like to go first this time for me the most important thing about this year has just been the importance of community and just human connection really like mm. just from the start of that year it, it almost felt like everything else just fell away it's hard to sort of put into words but you know the podcast has been I think it's just been really a really positive thing for all of us because mm. you know I think I think we really missed each other and just to sort of you know have that kind of connection at a time when we you know it was easy to feel like a bit of you know a bit of, sort of floating off on your own it's that was just a really positive thing and you know there were just sort of days when it's sort of all you could really think about was just you know oh god you know people are so geographically close but they might as well be on on the other side of the world and just having something mm -hmm. like this podcast you know helped bring us all closer in together and 
I just feel so grateful that people are sort of very gradually slowly starting to be able to float together again if you see what I mean notwithstanding at Hancock being a twat and trying to (laughs) (laughs) shout out (laughs) (laughs) it just really makes you think about what's important and certainly for me that was the important thing people in in my life and just I don't know if if anyone else has experienced this but it sort of made it a bit easier to be sort of open and honest with the people around you because you just think life's too short not to be yeah 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 Yeah, I definitely agree about having having the podcast recordings like in a practical sense it's like a routine empty diary for weeks but definitely had dates and times for podcast recordings and that was like a really nice thing to hang on to to actually have some dedicated time for something it was kind of having the distraction of a of a totally new project and a new thing to to learn how to do but also obviously it was time together and I think it was the time that I laughed the most in like the entire year (laughs) You know, yeah, I just thought agreed. like everything's so rubbish. When am I going to laugh again? And then an hour later, podcast recording, absolutely pissing my pants. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I I agree entirely. Podcast was a really good opportunity for us to have that. I don't want to say enforced time together, but <laughs> I think at a time when everything else was just chaos, it was this bubble of happiness that we all had oh. in our in our calendars, and it was a really nice thing to have consistently as well because we were recording a lot right at the beginning when the pandemic was at its most weird and wonderful and we were all in deepest darkest lockdown so that was really nice we were podcast machines Mm. we still are we still are we still got it (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna basically mirror what lauren said so uh yeah it really locks me in lockdown really made me assess my priorities and it turns out that I don't really give a shit about my job or my career. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really care what I do. As long as it doesn't, you know, make me have a mental breakdown. I don't really mind what I do. But the things that are really important to me are family and friends. And just obviously I, I missed things like going to the theatre, going to the cinema, eating out, uh, all the things that make life fun. But you just... You just realise that the things you are missing out on, like birthdays and Christmas and just, you know, going out for dinner with a friend or whatever, just like very simple things that before you just totally took for granted and didn't even think about it. Yeah, that became really important to me. And I think like Lauren as well, you, you start to communicate more openly with people, but you do it in a way that kind of makes you say, I'm sorry that I took you for granted as a friend. I'm sorry that I didn't invest more proper actual time with you and just kind of was like oh whatever they'll they'll be down for this and it just it made me think about how important my friends are to me and that I feel very 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 grateful and very blessed to have the people in my life that I have and I'm not going to take them for granted when we are all back to normal because they are the most important things in my life so sorry if it sounds cheesy but that is genuinely the thing that that I appreciated the most. I think we all like a bit of cheese. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely that kind of cheese. That's Absolutely. lovely. Yeah. Good Edam. <laughs> of emotion. Edam. Edam of emotion. <laughs> I think Edam of emotion. 
should be the episode title. There we go. That's one job ticked off. I have an improv related lesson learned from the pandemic. I think that not being able to do it in person for over a year and the fact that, you know, it's been kind of, it will be one of the last things that we sort of get back, back in, back in restaurants, back at weddings, back at various things. But obviously we perform in a teeny tiny room in a pub and there's quite a few of us. And so actually in terms of social distancing, practically putting on a show, probably still quite far away. And I think not being able to do that not having that regular last Saturday of the month show, seeing everybody and performing together has really made me realise how much I need that. As a creative outlet, like Lizzie, I'm not totally head over the heels in love with my job and I, I very much turn to my kind of hobbies and interests, the things I find really stimulating and I think improv is probably the, the biggest for me now. It's kind of the silliest I get to be. It's one of the most social things I do and having, you know, all those aspects to that one thing, not having it has made me kind of realise that in some shape or another, I'm probably going to be doing improv until the day that I leave this earth. So <laughs> I hope so anyway. That would be so amazing being like a 90 plus year old doing improv. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm just dying on stage. <laughs> <gasps> Literally. <laughs> And also probably figuratively. I hope people wouldn't laugh. Um, it's, it's how you would want to go. Exactly. <laughs> Being laughed at. Oh. So yeah, that I think that's been my kind of my takeaway, which following off all of you guys and the lovely things you said about realizing what's important to you being friends and family and stuff and me talking <laughs> about how much I love improv. Not sure how that's how uh, how that makes me look, but that is uh, that is mine. Victoria, what takeaways have you had from the past year? Well, I'd just like to copy and paste all of your previous answers because they were very good. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, in a similar vein to everybody else, improv is, again, something I've really missed. And I have very little opportunity to be creative in my life. And I'm constantly exhausted by work and I make excuses to not be creative or I find that I just need to lock myself into a a room or a corner or a quiet place and hide from the world. And so I think having improv is a really good way of bringing me out of my shell and and socialising, meeting Mm. friends. And I'm really looking forward to at some point having that back because, well, one of the things I found during the pandemic is it's all right to find things hard in a pandemic because it's not a very nice time. And I have actually appreciated lots of different parts of it, but not seeing friends and family and doing improv are just things that I have missed. But it's okay. It's okay to take time out and to look after yourself. But then sometimes things like improv are really good ways of recharging you, giving you a little bit of zest for life. I have to speak to people all day, every day in my job, and I'm constantly exhausted by that. I've realised over the last year how much of an introvert I am. And being really peppy and upbeat all day at work is the most exhausting thing. And I'm struggling. I'm really struggling with it. I'm not enjoying it. I'm struggling. But, you know, I just need to find a way to balance that. And so I just just hope that when everything goes back to normal, I can find a way to balance my, my work and my improv and somehow find a way to to make them both meld again 
And so that, that's going to be my aim um, post-pandemic. So again, NAMI has just been a great way to check in and to do things I like with the people I love. And it's been lovely. Yeah, I think that's something a lot of people have been saying about balance being key, finding balance between the crazy hectic lives that we all used to lead pre-COVID and the lockdown life of just kind of not really getting out of your pyjamas and just watching Netflix a lot. And then, you know, finding finding a, I obviously realised not everybody's was like that, just me because I was furloughed for months. It's a balance between those two states of being and the world needs to accommodate people if they want to you know take things a bit more slowly and not go back to the absolutely crazy pace that we all lived at beforehand yeah balance ah so it's been really lovely reflecting on the past year that we've had together let's hope there are going to be many more because we we won't run out of of guests (laughs) hopefully that's not a thing I guess (laughs) Um, no yeah we are really hoping to kind of keep going keep bringing you more episodes, more tips, more learnings, more funnies. So thank you very much to uh, Victoria, Lizzie and Lauren. And we look forward to bringing you another episode again soon. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.